Well, again, I want to welcome you to Soul City Church. My name is Jeannie Stevens. I have the privilege of being one of the lead pastors here, and uh, I, have, I have prepared some thoughts and a sermon for you today, but I'm going to tell you what you just saw in Aaron's life is the best sermon you're going to hear all day today. Uh, it exceeds... Uh, It exceeds everything that I've prepared for uh, because it is the picture of why this church exists. We exist because we want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus, and that is what Aaron just preached this morning, and I do say preached. Um, but it is, it is a thrill to, to be with you this morning, and many of you have been journeying with us over the last four weeks. We've been in a series here uh, called Focus, and we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, and uh, actually many of us have been reading the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Uh, you've probably received your, your email each morning and it's come into your inbox and you've read the chapter for the day. I've been journeying along with you and reading it. And, and when we kicked this series off about four weeks ago, we talked about how this book in the Old Testament, this book of Proverbs, that really it is a book of sayings and thoughts about wisdom, that, that it, it is all wrapped around the idea of wisdom. It is about wise way living and how to make wise decisions. And I'm sure that you noticed, uh, just like myself, that as you were reading, that the word wisdom kept appearing uh, as you read the Proverbs. In fact, it is the word that most appears in that book. Well, perhaps you often also noticed that there's another word uh, that appeared on a regular basis, and that is the word discipline. You know, as I was reading and as I was listening uh, over the last month and as I would, you know, scroll through my email each morning before I would start my day, that word discipline showed up quite a bit. And discipline, when you think about that word, really it can be divided into to sort of two different concepts. It, it can come into our life through two different lenses. The first is through self-discipline, right? And, and self-discipline is administered by the individual. That, that's where self-discipline comes. And it's usually administered by the individual to help change a certain behavior in a person's life. So there's, there's self-discipline, and then there's also external discipline. And external discipline comes into our life. It's administered by someone else to also help change a certain behavior. Now, I'm not sure what you think about when you think about the word discipline, but discipline is it's, it's, a, it's a loaded word for us, isn't it? And, and discipline, it, it carries a lot of emotions. It carries a lot of feelings. And, and there are thousands of books and seminars and opinions on the topic of discipline. There, there's all sorts of thoughts on discipline with time management. There's all sorts of thoughts on how to be disciplined in your diet and in your exercise. All sorts of thinking on how to have disciplines in leadership and in management. And of course, there's all sorts of opinions on discipline with children. Now, about eight years ago, I entered into uh, the vortex of conversation that I didn't necessarily realize existed, and that is the vortex of conversation around parenting. And when I say vortex, I mean that it is filled with lots and lots of people 
with big opinions, okay? This parenting conversation, there are a lot of opinions on how parenting should be done. There are opinions on how to birth, okay? There is drugs and there is no drugs. I lived over here, okay? <laughs> there are views on how to diaper, okay? There's views on how to diaper, cloth or disposable. There are views on how to feed. There are views on how to let a baby sleep, whether the parent should stay home or go back to work. There are views on how to educate private, public, or homeschooling. And probably one of the biggest conversations with very deep, passionate viewpoints is on how to discipline a child how to discipline a child. Now, while there are a ton of different perspectives on how to discipline a child, I believe that everyone comes to the middle in consensus in one particular moment. That moment I experienced actually last weekend. And the moment is when you walk onto an airplane and you see a parent with small children. Every single person on the planet has the exact same viewpoint around discipline when you see a parent. It doesn't matter if you are a parent or if you have been a parent for a long time. Your prayer instantly is something like this. Oh dear God, I wanna pray about my seat number right now. <laughs> Please God, if it is 20, 20 rows away, Lord, I will give my entire life savings to any charity of your choice, right? And that's sort of the prayer that everyone prays when they walk onto a plane without small children. Especially when you see somebody on the plane and they're with small children and, you know, the child's trying to get up into the overhead compartment, they're jumping on the seats, one of them is crying over Cheerios. You literally start praying that that parent's philosophy on discipline is the same of a Navy SEAL right? You don't, you don't care what their philosophies are on anything else, but you want them to literally be an ex-Navy SEAL and to be parenting their children in the same vein. You're looking for somebody that is a no-tolerance parent, right? No crying on planes, no kicking of seat backs, no temper tantrums, no loud songs, right? You, you want this kind of spirit when it comes to discipline. And I'll be honest, I don't like the word discipline. I struggle with this word, actually. And as I saw it appearing all throughout the Proverbs, I realized that I had this internal struggle with this word. Because to me, when I hear the word discipline, some of the words that come to my mind and come to my heart are the word rigid or, or, or forced. Or, or even the thought of, of discipline being punitive. But I believe that that view of discipline is actually quite limited. Because the more I studied this word and the more I studied why it shows up over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs is because the word discipline, it really refers to a person that is in the process of training that it is a training process, that when discipline is spoken about in the book of Proverbs, it's speaking about a person that is in the middle of a training process. And it describes two things. It describes the process and it describes the result. 
What's amazing about this is when you think about being disciplined, it is the process of being corrected, right? It is the process of being instructed so that you can become more disciplined. You can't be a disciplined person without going through healthy discipline. You can't become who God created you to become without going through healthy training. So, so essentially, discipline equals training. That's what discipline means in the book of Proverbs. It means training. That's its, that is discipline in its healthiest form. And training describes the process and the result. You think about it in the simplest of terms, right? In the simplest of terms, if a child is going through potty training, the result is that they would become potty trained, right? The training, the process, has an end result of being trained. And we go through training so that we can become more trained. So if that's the case, if training actually yields a great result, if this process actually leads us to becoming more of who God created us to be, then my question for us this morning is why are so many of us resistant to being trained? If the result is good, why are so many of us resistant to being trained? If it's essential to our growth and to our transformation, then why don't we move towards it? Now, my kids have never once woken up in the morning and come down the stairs and sat at the breakfast table and said to Jared and myself, Mom, Dad, right after breakfast, we were hoping that we could instantly go into a timeout so that we could grow in self-discipline and patience. We, we, we don't want you to send us to it. We want to go there by our choice. That, that has never once happened in our family. And I think most of us walk into our relationship with God the same way. We don't tend to go towards God praying the kinds of prayers. God, grow me through training. Grow me through discipline. And I think it's because we like the result we like what we're going to become. We want to be these disciplined and well-trained people, but we don't want to go through the process to get there because we know it's going to be hard. And that's especially true when life is hard, when life is not going the way that we want it to go. And what do you do? What do you do when God doesn't do what you want him to do and you find yourself in a process of training. When you're dealing with pain or with loss or disappointment, many of us, when we get to that spot, we don't know how to engage with God. And if we're honest, if we're really honest about what we feel internally, it almost feels like when we're in those seasons that God has sort of put us in this timeout place. And, and discipline and training it produces so many emotions because it reminds us of being corrected or even rebuked or challenged. And perhaps discipline was administered in your life 
in very unhealthy ways. And so for you, it conjures lots of pain. Or perhaps you even had some unhealthy spiritual discipline directed into your life, and the result was you feeling condemned or judged or even punished. But God's view, his view of discipline and training, it differs so much from that. In fact, one of the best ways as I was studying this word and as I was looking at how it appears, specifically even in the book of Proverbs, one of the best ways to translate the word discipline is for the word nurture. That discipline can be translated as the word nurture. That it is actually a form of how God lovingly grows us up. That his discipline is nurturing, his training of us is nurturing. You see, God's discipline never comes from anger or for punishment, but instead from the heart of a loving parent. Now, I'm sure that at some point in your life, you had a parent say to you, what I'm about to do, this discipline that I'm about to give you, this is going to be way harder for me than it is going to be for you, right? Maybe you've even said that to a child. Every child on the planet, literally what's going through their head is, yeah, right, right? But God's discipline and training, it comes from the heart of a loving parent. Because he loves us and he longs for us to be fully transformed into all of who he created us to be. So he trains us so that we will grow. And his training is always with the end result in mind. You think about some of the passages that we read throughout the book of Proverbs over this past month. I think about Proverbs 19 that we just read a little bit ago, um, you know, in this last week. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. You see, the listening to advice and the accepting of discipline that is nurturing from God, the end result is becoming wise. That those two things work in tandem with one another. And this is God's heart when it comes to discipline and training. It has always been about us becoming all of who he created us to be. Now, while this concept of discipline and training is all throughout the book of Proverbs, I actually want us to look at another passage of scripture this morning found in the New Testament for our teaching. And it's found actually in the book of Hebrews. Normally, what I invite you to do is to grab the Bible in your seat back, but instead I want to have us look at it from a different translation today. We're gonna look at it from the message translation, and so I'm gonna put it up on the screens for you. But I want to make sure I say to those of you that are perhaps here for the first time and you are new to Soul City, one of the things that we love to do is to be able to give people Bibles. And so if you're here for the first time and you don't have a Bible, please take one with you because we long for you to be able to dive into God's word. But today for our teaching, we're going to look at it from the message translation. Now we're going to look at Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. And this passage, this passage instantly launches right into the topic of discipline and training. This is how it starts out. It says this, God, God is educating you. He's educating you. That's why you must never drop out. 
He's treating you as dear children. And this trouble that you're in, it isn't punishment, it's training, which is the normal experience of children. I want to pause right there in this passage. Right away, this passage starts out by saying, don't run. Don't run from God's training or from his education. Don't drop out on his education in your life because the education is not there to crush you or to hurt you, but it is for the purpose of love. That every time God trains us, it is a clear sign of his embrace and belief in us as his children, that he is a good parent that loves his children. Now, how many of you, when you are in the midst of difficulty or when you are in the midst of life not going the way that you wanted life to go and you find yourself in one of these seasons, how many of you get excited that you're in the middle of a training season? I don't. I don't. I don't throw parties for this. I don't think that this is great. I don't think that this is fun. And oftentimes, this is our attitude. And so when this happens, what we try to do is we try to run from the education. We try to run from the training. And, and for those of you here this morning that would clearly identify yourself as someone that has put your trust in God and, and, and you have literally said, God, I, I want your best for my life. This is one of the areas where I have concern for us. For those of us that have said, I want to trust you, God, and I want to walk with you, and I want to follow you. Because many of us, we've welcomed God into our life, and we are aware of our need for someone to rescue us, to lift us up out of the pit of sin and destruction in our lives. But I often see that there is a resistance to God being Lord of our life. You see, we're resistant to him parenting us, the one that leads us and corrects us and challenges us and sometimes even rebukes us. I've seen many Christians that want God as savior but resist him as leader in their life. They're, they're interested in all of the benefits of his love, but none of the challenge from his discipline. We want his grace. His grace is so good, and we can't get enough of it, and we keep moving in that direction. But when it comes to the work of growth, we don't want to have anything to do with it. And when we resist God's discipline, we resist him as parent and we essentially say, God, I want this part of you, this part of you that saves me, but I don't want this part of you, this part that grows me and corrects me. And friends, that's impossible to be in a relationship with God and parse out his character that way. We can't just divide up his character and say, God, I want this part of you, but not this part of you. God wants to enter into our lives as all of who he is. And well, this passage, it goes on, it goes on, and it says this, that only irresponsible parents, okay, only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so that we can truly live? 
While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. You see, the passage, the passage lets us know that it is the irresponsible parent that just leaves their child to fend for themselves that just sort of says, you know what, you just figure it all out, you do whatever you wanna do, and you, know, you become whoever it is that you wanna become, and I'm not gonna get involved in it. And God is saying here, he's saying here, you don't want me to be an irresponsible parent, do you? God wants us to recognize that as our heavenly parent, he is a major participant in our growth that he does not leave us to fend for ourselves. And this is such an essential truth. In order for us to experience transformation, we have to be receptive. We have to be receptive to God's training in our life. And yet so many of us are resistant to it. We're resistant to it. And God doesn't want us to walk away and, and when we get into his class and things aren't going that well for us to sort of stomp our foot and, and pout a little bit and say, man, God, I don't like how you're letting this go. I'm out of here. In fact, that's a moment where God wants us to re-up and say, I'm paying attention, God. I'm paying attention so that his training can lead us, as this passage says, to truly live. And receptive people look very different than resistant people, don't they? Receptive people to God and even to one another look very different than resistant people. You know, you think about a receptive person, when they experience correction, when a receptive person is corrected, they listen humbly and they ask God and others to reveal the truth. But a resistant person, when correction comes their way, when, when they're conf confronted or, or they're given uh, a correction, they become stubborn. And they try to prove why the correction isn't accurate. That, that, that's what a resistant person looks like, isn't it? You think about feedback. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. A receptive person, when they experience feedback, they look for it actually. They go looking for feedback and when they receive it, they are receptive to it. In fact, they go looking for it from wise counsel, from mentors and from friends and from leaders. But the resistant person, the resistant person, they only go to people that are gonna affirm the decision that they've already made. The resistant person says, this is the decision that I've made and I'm gonna only go to people that are gonna affirm this decision and their eyes are shut to feedback. You think about a receptive person when it comes to making decisions. In decision-making, the receptive person is willing to recognize that they don't always make the right decision. Receptive people say, I don't know, maybe it isn't the right decision, let's talk about it. But the resistant person is dogged, and they hold strong to the decision that they make because they believe that their decision is always the right decision. And training and discipline is about growing and becoming more receptive. Well, this passage in Hebrews, it, it, it continues and, and it ends by saying this. At the time, 
at the time, discipline isn't much fun. Amen, right? It always feels, it always feels like it's going against the grain. But later, later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. You see, this passage ends by saying that when you are going through discipline, that it never feels fun. It never feels fun. It has never once felt fun in my life. Never once. But there is always fruit that comes from it. There's always fruit that comes from it. It pays off. Another translation of this verse, it literally says that when you walk through it instead of running from it, that it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Who doesn't want a harvest of righteousness and peace in their life? I want that in my life. We all want that in our life. But I think we are notorious for sabotaging the process of getting there. We're notorious for sabotaging it because what we start to do is we start to, start to blame other people or we start to look for another way out or, or we start to rationalize it or we start to ignore it instead of actually walking through it. And the reason that I can wax so eloquently about this area is because this has been one of the primary areas where God has done his transforming work in my life. And I've never loved it. It's never been fun. But the fruit that God has produced in my life, I am so grateful for it. And so instead of running from it now, I move towards it. When I... Um, was in one of my first jobs. I remember having a boss. Uh, I was in my mid-20s, and I remember having a boss that I really struggled with. Um, I think that even in the most perfect scenario in life, like heaven, right? Even in heaven, God would have put us in mansions in two entirely different subdivisions, okay? We were not meant to walk down the same street of gold with one another. Um, there, there was just regular friction. Um, we just had a really hard time with chemistry and our working relationship with one another. And it finally got to the point in our relationship where he called me into his office one day and he said, you know, Jeannie, I just, let's just be honest, this isn't working. This isn't working and I think we need to find a different department for you to work in. Well. Instantly, I thought that his version and view of the situation was accurate, but his conclusion was the wrong conclusion. And so I thought what I need to do is I actually need to make an appointment with his supervisor and let his supervisor know how I actually saw the situation. Perhaps they hadn't been enlightened on the situation, and I needed to do that. And so I made an appointment with his supervisor, and I went in to talk with him, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know, um, you know what I think is really going on here. And I remember painting out the situation for him and explaining to him that I actually saw a better alternative than the one that we were being faced with and that I should actually stay in the department and he should go <laughs> to a different department. And he said, you know, Jeannie, um, 
And he said it with incredible amounts of clarity and strength. He said, you know, Jeannie, I think um, I have an idea of what would be really good for you for this next season. I don't actually know if going to another department is the solution. My hunch is what would actually be really good for you is for you to go back to school. Now, in my mind, I instantly started going down a path of thinking, this guy really believes in me. I mean, he thinks I'm pretty awesome. Like, he thinks that I need some more education and I need some more opportunity to grow, and so he's gonna try and help create a path for me to get there. This is pretty incredible. I'm glad I made this appointment. And in the middle of my la-la land thinking, he interjected and said, you know, the school that I think um, would be good for you to enroll in is the Graduate School of Character. And I wondered if my jaw literally was on the ground. Um, I mean, ouch. It stung. It stung to my core. And right after he said it, I think there was about two minutes left in the meeting, and he affirmed me and encouraged me and even instilled some belief in me. But he very clearly said to me, if you continue to live like everyone else is the problem, you are never going to reach all that God has for you. And Jeannie, if you could receive this as an invitation from God to enroll yourself in this school and receive his loving discipline in your life, I promise you, you will never be sorry and you are not going to believe how much you're going to grow. He prayed for me and that was the end of the meeting. And that was perhaps one of the most defining moments of my life. I knew walking out of that office that I was either going to be receptive and I was going to walk into perhaps one of the greatest growth seasons of my life or I would stay resistant to God's discipline and I would continue to grow my pride and my arrogance and my stubbornness and my blame and my rationalization. And I'm not gonna lie to you, that path looked way more enticing. And that path made me feel stronger. But I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I had wise mentors around me and loving people and the work of the Holy Spirit moved me to choose the path of being receptive. And it was not easy. In fact, for a while, it actually got worse. But the growth that emerged from my life due to that season, I can say to you confidently, it literally changed my life. My presence changed, the way I interact with people changed, 
my openness to the Holy Spirit, my vulnerability, my marriage was impacted, friendships were changed. There were hard edges in my life that God finally smoothed out and I finally let him smooth out. And God's discipline was not easy, but by me choosing to stop fighting it, it actually became easier. And that conversation happened over 15 years ago. And I wish, I wish that I could say to you today that I have packed up all of God's loving discipline and training in my life and it is packed neatly away in my past and it has never occurred since. But in the last seven days, there have been opportunities where God has lovingly walked me back down this road. Where I've had to do some hard training. Where I had to look in the mirror. And I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful that I no longer run from those moments, but instead lean into those moments. Because the more that we run from them, actually the more fear that we will feel. And the more fear that we feel, the more tension will be caused. And the more tension that gets caused, it ends up resulting in more pain in the process. And I'm sure that there are many of us in this room here today, and you are already somewhere in the midst of that cycle. You are experiencing God welcoming you into this education, into this training, into his loving, nurture, discipline. And some of us, we need to be reminded of a very simple yet essential truth, that God trains those he loves. God trains those he loves, and a lack of being trained means a lack of being loved. So if you are being trained, if you are experiencing the discipline, the nurture discipline of God, you're experiencing his love. You're experiencing his love because God never, ever, ever has been out to get you. That is not the character of God. He is never desirous of hurting you. He never stands watch over his people, hoping that we're gonna screw up and then he can swarm in and discipline us. That is not the heart of God. And for many of you here today, you need to be reminded that you are loved by God. You are irrationally loved by God. There is absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And you desperately need to hear this morning that even in the midst of whatever loving discipline or training that God is inviting you into, you have a loving parent. You have a loving parent in God. And he only disciplines children because he loves them. You see, God trains those he loves and he never stops loving those he trains. Never. He never stops loving those he trains. And one of the things that we say around here all the time, all the time, from the very beginning of this church is that everyone is accepted here. No matter what is going on in your life, you are accepted here. But... Everyone is expected to grow. 
every one of us is expected to grow. God expects you to transform. And that is why his loving, nurturing discipline and training is inviting you into that growth. Discipline is necessary for transformation. You cannot be transformed outside of the process of discipline and training. And so what I wanna do is I wanna invite you, um, instead of running from this, to actually invite you to lean into it. And some of you know um, that there is an area in your life and your tendency is to be resistant to it. You are good at making excuses. You are good at blaming. You are good at rationalizing. You are good at being right. But you know, you know that God is inviting you in to being receptive. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it has to do with a job that you're in, something about your future. But you know that you need to move from resistance to being receptive. And our kids this last week were, uh, they were in the Soul City Kids Camp uh, and it was amazing here all week. There was just uh, kids everywhere, everywhere. Um, the building needed a cleaning every single day. And uh, it was so fun to, to watch our, our church just love on this neighborhood. There was 150 kids just running around all. They weren't like running wild, but it was good. There was good discipline. Um, but. <laughs> It was so fun because our kids would come home and last week they were teaching on trust and how to trust in God and they memorized a verse on trust and they were singing songs on trust. And one of the things that they were doing to sort of illustrate trusting God was they were teaching the kids how to do trust falls, right? The classic trust falls. Well, our kids, they thought that this was really cool and they thought what was cool about it was actually moving away when you did the trust fall. <laughs> and so, all week long, the metaphor was not working in the Stevens household as Gigi would fall back and Elijah would move away and start laughing. And so, um, you know, we, we had to retrain on what, what the trust fall is supposed to do. And we were talking in the car yesterday and um, we were talking about the trust fall. And Gigi was explaining to us um, about the trust fall. And she said, you know, you know, the trust fall isn't really about trust mom and dad. The trust fall is about you trusting God and you're saying, I know God that you love me. That the trust fall is more about love than it is about trust. And I'm driving in the car, I'm dropping Jared off at O'Hare, and I'm like, oh, good Lord, you should teach this weekend, you know? Like, <laughs> and you know, out of the mouth of a six-year-old, and I just thought, that's so right. It's so true that this training and this discipline and even trusting, trusting God as he grows us, it's all about his love. It is all about his love for his children. And so what I wanna want do as we move into a time of worship is I wanna invite you to stand um, and we're gonna pray together and um, then we're gonna move into a time of worship and as you stand, I wanna invite you to just hold your hands open out in front of you. And I want you to even picture 
What is that area of your life where you tend to be resistant? Where you tend to want to do it your way? Just picture that area of your life and picture yourself perhaps even holding tight to it with your fists clenched. And would you just picture yourself opening up your hands to God and inviting him in and telling him that you want to be receptive, that you're open to his loving nurture and training in your life. God, we stand here as people with our hands open to you. God, I pray that our physical posture would also be the posture of our heart. That our hearts would be open to you, God. To you growing us and changing us and training us. And God, thank you that you are a loving parent. That when there is nothing good in us, God, that you are good. That when we can't find peace, that you are the one that brings peace. That when we are stubborn and resistant, God, that you soften our hearts and you welcome us in with your love. So God, we say to you, we are open. We are open to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.